Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 158, where podcast talks about pop culture things that interest us, and sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. How's it going? Good, good. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the regular show. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Right. Kind of regular time, regular show. Yeah, I'm uh, doing pretty good. A little stuffy nose, but otherwise trucking along. It's the uh, yeah. the far-reaching effects of our Minnesota winter non-winter. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's been it's been uh, a busy, fun weekend. So lots happening in the world of pop culture for sure. Culture? That been following the last week. So we're gonna cover some of it. Um, I ranted briefly about Xbox and the tail end of our anime show last week. A um, little bit of an update. I guess on that front. So we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. And um, final little thing George R. R. Martin's been in the news for a few things, a few reasons. Uh, Not for several, any of the several good reasons, reasons, really. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe one good reason, but otherwise, yeah. less positive reasons. So yes. maybe we'll discuss that a little bit. And then, um, like, we've been. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a Nicolas Cage movie because it was his birthday. Mm -hmm. And 60th birthday. yeah, big, big deal. So we're going back in time, back in time to uh, what, what feels like not that long ago, but it is now, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. The year 1997. I'm talk face off. So classic, classic Cage. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. Uh, in the latter half of the episode, we'll be talking spoilery about it. And um, yeah, hopefully you can take a trip down nostalgia lane with us, with us <laughs> 90s kids. And uh, yeah, but before all that stuff, we'll have our weeks and we got to talk about drink holidays. Of course, not too much to go through. Um, we're just closing out January, the very last day, the 31st. Personal favorite of mine. I am sadly not drinking it, but I have recently at the finest of Wisconsin supper clubs. Uh, it was Brandy Alexander Day on the 31st. So nice. Cheers. Finest. To that. Uh, finest club in Wisconsin. I mean, I don't know. It just it, it was a feel good time. I enjoyed it very much. Okay, okay. Um, it also All was right. like English themed. So there was like suits mm. of armor everywhere. There were like coats of arms on the walls. It was nice. like very my vibe. So yeah. I dug it. Right. Cool. But yeah. Um, and it's warm enough in Minnesota that, you know, having a nice uh, ice cream drink would not be out of hand right now. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can see you in that uh, in that environment uh, there, Andrea. I was like, Brandy Alexander, please. <laughs> Another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it was it was a really fun time. Um, yeah, Dana and I were just hanging out, drinking Brandy Alexander's, playing cards, you know, obviously being the coolest of the cool. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was supper club environment, so we fit right in. Nice. We made friends with All the right. bartender who, like, snuck us some, like, extras of whatever they were making. So, yeah, it was cool. a good time. Very nice. Um, other good times, other holidays that you can celebrate uh, February 3rd, it was Pisco Sour Day, which I believe both Brazil and Chile claim as their national drink. Um, okay. 
I myself have never had one. I know Pisco is like a particular alcohol. Um, I'm not sure what it's based off of. I think I've said this in the past, but now can't remember. It escapes me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you want to celebrate, that uh, is an option. You can do what I'm doing. Celebrate February 8th, International Scotch Day. Nice. Are you, are you, you look like all done my belly. Um, (laughs) you look like you're like anticipatory. Are you also celebrating scotch day? Well, um, yes, I am. What kind of scotch you got, Andrea? (laughs) I love it. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) What, what kind of scotch you have? Um, the kind that's scotch. Oh, wow. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, hold on. I'm going to, I got to look it up again. Cause I just bought it re- recently. Sure. Glen Morangi, Morang. Glen Murray, that, yeah. Am I saying that in any Glen sort Murray, of way, no. shape or form? Morangi. I think Morangi. it's just Murray. Glen Murray. Glen Murray. Yeah. Glen Morangi. <laughs> okay, now I'm doing it. Someone will correct yeah. us and chat. Right. <laughs> nice. I am okay. terrible with pronunciations, but yes, that is what I'm drinking. Um, yeah. Oh, I, are you being super appropriate to some of our topics tonight and doing a GOT? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, I wasn't really feeling like having anything. I have to say, but I'm like, well, this, this fits. I can't let the opportunity go by. So I, at the moment, still have three different Game of Thrones whiskeys. And mm. uh, the family that's been focused on most in uh, the recent Martin world tellings has been Targaryen. So I've, Very I true. have uh, the, uh, House Targaryen. Nice. Single malt scotch. Mm -hmm. So House Targaryen, Fire and Blood, single malt scotch from the Game of Thrones collection. Cardew Gold Reserve. Um, Fancy, fancy. So, yeah, it's, um, let's see if it says anything about it. Fueled by the same fiery spirit, encouraged to conquer all challenges in their way. Helen Cumming and her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, were pioneers in the male-dominated whiskey industry during the 1800s and largely responsible for the early success at Cardiff. Uh, this single malt scotch celebrates these legendary women and their unwavering perseverance with a liquid that's rich in texture and balance of sweet fruit, dark chocolate, toffee, and spice. So, mm, That sounds yeah. delicious. So I... Uh, the whiskeys, the Game of Thrones whiskeys are running a little low. The Targaryen one is the one we have the most of yet. So that's a, that's a fair bit left. Um, I'm always like kind of bounce back and forth between should I just, should we just finish some off or like keep focusing on the ones that have more mm-hmm. to keep them around? Cause these are collectors. I, I, for me as a collector's item. So, uh, kind of John, want I just want to point out you are missing like a serious, ASMR moment because I mean, like, did you, you think like picking that up the top off and then you like slid the whiskey out and then you're like, boom, like the bottle did, pouring did it. In. I that mean, up? It picked up all of that. Oh, good. But I'm just go. saying like, 
There you go. <laughs> there you are. A little whiskey. Just be like, glug, glug, glug. <laughs> and then I See? swish it. Oh, I, that I one have, we couldn't quite. <laughs> oh, I couldn't hear? Okay. Probably for the best. I, um, <laughs> I, we just gained uh, a bunch of ASMR people and then immediately lost them. They were like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's too um, far. Too far. Like, I have a new graphics card and it's not, uh, it's not the one, it's not the same make and make of the other one. So I don't have my fancy noise canceling software. So now they can pick up that stuff because previously a lot of that would have just been sure. cut out. Nothing. Well, so. just, you know, thoughts to plan for future shows. If you want to mm -hmm. just slide out those now, smooth sounds. You know, when I'm serious, when I've got the like ear shaped microphones, you seen that? <laughs> Yes, I like, Yeah. So then I'm ready to go for the ASMR world. So. <laughs> well, salute. Cheers. Cheers. Yours is even on the rocks. Perfect. Mine is a scotch and soda. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and drugs, because I felt that was appropriate for today. Nice. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Just dump a pile of drugs in there mm -hmm, a la mm -hmm. castor troy mm -hmm. um i just say it's not uh it's like i know we got one more holiday come up here yet but i wanted to show a picture i don't know if it'll show up but uh ashley took it and it didn't turn out the best um this is me next to cardboard i get my picture next to cardboard standees this is aaron paul and um his face from uh bringing bad um aaron paul I, and I couldn't, I couldn't i'm sorry i couldn't discern any features of anybody so i can't tell you sure yeah <laughs> it's, I, uh, I just blank on his name the star of breaking bad um oh 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 uh brian um brian cranston uh, brian cranston yes Thank yes you, yes so yeah, uh, there's a cardboard standee of Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul because they came out with a tequila and mezcal because it's the thing to do now. So it I did is. try that recently, um, which was which was pretty good. I enjoyed. I'm not a aficionado by any means, mm -hmm. but um, it's called uh, Dos Hombres, I believe. So appropriate. Yeah, and uh, it was. Uh, it was good. So I just thought everybody should know they have a new tequila and mezcal out there if you're interested. Uh, celebrity alcohol is very much a thing right now. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's so everywhere. Everybody has a something. Right. Like the, the other day I was in the liquor store and like very nearly got sucked into buying like Jason Momoa vodka. I was like, mm. oh, it's so cool. And then I was like, but why? Like, why? Just because it's Jason Momoa's. I mean, I love him. And also, like, do I need to buy his vodka? Especially if I didn't even know if that. If you're until out I, like, of vodka. If I, like, picked up the bottle and was like, oh, I didn't even know he had one. Like, did he care to promote it? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Like, should I If you're I out of vodka, <laughs> then you should. You might as well. 
True. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. If you're like, I just, well, here it is, but I have plenty of vodka already. The, the tough thing with alcohol is that it doesn't go bad. So you can't be like, well, I'll wait till I finish the other one because it's like, right. no, who cares? Just have True. another one. It's not like True. an expiration date. Let's, oh, let's try the celebrity milk brand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll finish my other carton first because that's going to go bad. <laughs> So. But conversely, it doesn't go bad. So if you hate it, it feels like wasteful. You can't even wait but for it to go bad and feel so like, safe. okay. Vodka's so safe because you can put it in a mixed drink and it's just not going to well, matter. You can sure. have some, you know, I mean, loaded sure. up boots. Like at some point you can just mix it up, but. Yeah, right. So then you have your categories. You have your stuff that's, uh, I'm going to drink this, you know, a little cleaner preparation uh, or I'm going to dilute the hell out of it so. true true you gotta go back there andrew get that jason momoa vodka all right i'll tell y'all how it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need the review but yeah no i mean i just i saw it and was sort of like astonished that i hadn't seen any sort of promotional activity you know i think i have actually yeah you have not okay. like a, a tv commercial but something on social media or something like that sure sure so. Yeah, just it was to me it's just like one more example of like oh my god there's so many celebrities out there just like you mm -hmm. know here's my new tequila I feel like tequila is probably the most popular um, yeah I'm I'm just wondering if there is a some sort of new like government program in Mexico and they're getting like connecting farmers with people investors with basically put your name on our you know well it's coming from here. You know, it's just there's got to like be the something new version like of like pen pals. It's like yeah, celebrity <laughs> tequila farmer. Because they're not uh, like I'm guessing most of them are not buying property in Mexico and starting their sure. own farm. They have very sure. little connection. You know, yeah. I remember Bethany it, Frankel trying to say that she had more of a hands-on thing when yeah. she was bringing out different stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some celebrities that that happens or it might make sense or whatever. Um, yeah. There's just so many of them. It does. I, I would just have a hard time believing that all of them right. really were investing. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, speaking of investing, were you invested in the, uh, the big game in our last holiday here? I was, I was, it turned into, it started off so slow and then it turned into a great game of football we even got overtime like they were really bringing it they were bringing the drama so kudos to the chiefs and the niners for finishing strong at yesterday's super bowl um sure. there's not a specific drink associated with the super bowl but drinks are associated with the super bowl um mm -hmm. it's definitely uh a, a time when most americans imbibe some of the most alcohol um, and today is like an unofficial holiday because so many people take off of work the day after the Super okay. Bowl. Um, okay. I think it's actually been floated at the government level that they should make today a holiday of like a federal holiday. Um, sure. Just in like names of like safety, just mm. <laughs> because so many people do so much drinking, um, which I don't know good and bad thing because you're kind of like sanctioning that much drinking and yet also like it might be safer so, yeah i heard anyway. that like in brazil you know when they're playing uh i don't know if i don't know if it has to be 
certain point in the season or whatever. But then every game, it's just like everything stops. People sure. just stay home. It is just an event. It's just sure. it's it. So yeah, yeah, mm. might uh, might be worth looking into because, like I said, uh, this is a that Super Bowl is a day associated with a lot of drinking for good or for ill. So that's what we need, Andrea. One more excuse for the mail to not be delivered. One more day because you know what the mail will do. They'll take the holiday and then it will be the next day is observed. It'll be next day. It will be oh, also observed. just for funsy. Yes. We need an extra one. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I've never, work. I've never really, when I was little, I never really got that practice of like observed holiday. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. No, no. Mm. But anyway, if you're a football fan of yesterday, you might have been drinking something in celebration of the Chiefs overtime win over the 49ers. How was the halftime show and how were the commercials? (gasps) I didn't. The only thing I really saw, I happened to see that, oh, it's the fourth quarter. Oh, there's less than two minutes left. You know, like, hey, so then I kind of waited to see. It's like, okay, went to overtime. That's, That's all I saw. Um. Usher killed it. That halftime show was so good. He was like, I mean, he's just coming off of Vegas residency. Um, I don't know for sure if that ended or is ending soon. Um, But he's obviously like, you know, still got all the performance style flair skill. He's got a lot of practice doing all of his dance moves and still like fully singing. And that was very evident. So kudos to Usher. He sounded amazing. He had like just a few costume changes um, that I think, you know, weren't too distracting, but still like brought a little visual flair. Um, Mm -hmm. He had a couple of logical and good guest stars um, in Alicia Keys, uh, Ludacris, Lil Jon, her, um, don't know if I'm missing somebody. Hopefully not. But yeah, everybody like a lot of people he's collaborated with, so they were all like running through his hits, their hits. Fantastic cool. job, very good. Nice. Commercials, medium. Okay, medium. There were there were a couple of like really good spots. Um, Christopher Walken's commercial lands very close to the top for me. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of just like, uh, he was advertising a car. I do not remember which one. Hmm. Um, but so effective, like, but I know, right. But like, it was like a bunch of people making fun of the way Christopher Walken talks. Okay. So, you know, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." So it was, it was really funny. Um, it was well done. Uh, I know this didn't hit for some people, but I, really enjoyed paramount plus's ad with patrick stewart like trying to throw a football like he's like dressed in like old-timey like football gear and he's trying Mm. to like they're all stranded on a mountain and for some reason they have to throw a football at something to get off the mountain but they can't find a football so they use uh the lead character from hey arnold because he has a football shaped head And he like tries to make the throw and it's epic and Creed is playing in the background and it's like weird and random, but hilarious. 
I have to say that premise doesn't make any sense. Being no, it doesn't make but, uh, any sense at all. I don't understand what they're doing, but it's very funny. Nice. Cool. So, but yeah, there were a lot of like non-memorable or like eh, commercials, right. unfortunately. Okay. All right. One of these years, the commercials will be good again. Well, um, you know, things that are uh, good again. I mean, beef, you weren't uh, impressed with at <laughs> first, but maybe, maybe yes. uh, it's good. Yes, I finished the series, uh, loved it. It was amazing. The last couple of episodes just feature killer performances from Ali Wong and Steven Yoon. Um, they go on like this accidental drug trip and not a lot happens but they're just having like these amazing bizarre conversations that are just like the human emotion and connectivity behind them is so raw and real i just really think they did an amazing job great just like cool top marks for acting um i am a little <laughs> I'm a little excited by the news that they might be doing another season, but mm. I'm also a little confused because beef basically just won a bunch of awards in the limited series category. Mm. So what happens if you become like a show? Take their award back away. all your awards. Gone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's just, do you have to like give that all back? Cause it's not, it's you not said anymore. limited. I'm afraid. I mean, Define I don't limited. know what happens. I know. Yeah. I don't know what happens. I don't know what the category definition is. Um, mm. But yeah, so I'm I'm sort of like excited about that and a little like, is that cheating? Did you cheat? I, doesn't the premise sort of like use itself? You know, it's like, or um, you know, would it be like, it's a, every season is a new set of people and a new beef. Sure. Like a, like a new uh, true detective. Yeah, where they exactly. have like, yeah. Um, I think that they were saying they would continue with these two characters. I, they have places that they could go, but the premise, like the, sh the show would definitely have to change from its right. like core premise of them having beef because like spoilery non-spoilers, they definitely make like a connection by the end where it would be mm. hard to see them just fall back into the back and forth, you know, one up each other rhythm of the show. So I don't think that was. I mean, if it was, spoiler. if it was bleach, um, we would do it because it'd be, Oh, Ichigo is so powerful. He becomes the most powerful thing ever. Next season. Ichigo is a wuss back <laughs> to the beginning. Square one. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I figured there'd be you have to have some sort of resolution, I guess, or one of them kills the other, I guess, but I didn't imagine that being the case. So there's there's enough of a resolution where they could satisfyingly end it here. Um, but there's enough of like an open door that you could push it a little wider and say, like, okay, we're past this initial phase, like what next? So Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I would be interested to Oof. see it. But yeah, I would be also interested to see what anybody might say about all those awards. Yeah. Um, 
something that I started, not finished, um, on Netflix. It's called My Happy Marriage. It was described as a supernatural Cinderella story. Hmm. And I was like okay. intrigued. Um, three episodes in, I see the the like background where they like got supernatural Cinderella and now we're like diving into the meat of like, okay, it's not just like the simplistic fairy tale, like let's go forward. And I'm interested to see okay. where it goes. I like it so far. Okay. Nice. Pretty recent then? Recent release? Yes, it is a re recent release. Woo. Nice. Okay. Um, let me see. Netflix. What do you got for me? I love on my computer. Apparently, a long, long time ago, I looked for a show called Midnight Texas. And now, like, every time I start to type in Netflix, it wants to default. <laughs> do you want to search for Midnight Texas? Like, mm. no, I do not. <laughs> yeah. I do not care for this. I understand. There was a thing for a while when I was using Android phones. And for whatever reason, Google got the idea that I love um, Dakota Johnson. I would just have everything in my Google feed every day would be a new, like what Dakota Johnson's wearing, what she was spotted doing. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't understand. Where did this come from? I mean, I'm probably, like probably looked up who she was at one. Oh yeah. Sure. She's Don Johnson's daughter, you know, sure. or something. I guess that that's was enough. You, that's when you know, the algorithm's gone off the rails where it's just like, Oh, this one thing you did, everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. I finally searched something that it wants me to look at. And so it's like, you did it once. Now we're given to you because we want you right? to see this for X reason. We yeah. will wear you down. You will yeah. love her. <laughs> um, My Happy Marriage is 2023 and it is 12 episodes. Okay. All right. Thanks. So I'm a quarter of the way in. Yeah. Nice. Well, speaking of uh, the somewhat paranormal, I have to say I watched um, Project Fear this last week, and there is a new episode out now from Friday. They just came back. Um, They're on a break in between seasons or whatever. And this is like a reality ghost hunting show. So if you're into that kind of thing, mm -hmm. it's just, again, free on YouTube. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's like, it was a show on Discovery called Destination Fear. And then it didn't get renewed. Oh, and they just yeah. crowdfunded and then raised a whole bunch of money and just started doing it themselves. Sure. And they kind of did everything themselves anyways in the other show. So mm -hmm. it they didn't lose a step. You know, it's just, sure. it's the show. A little different name. Um, so the first two episodes, they are at The Conjuring House. So mm. that's where nice. the conjuring stuff was inspired by and all that. Good. So, yeah. Project fear. If you're into that kind of thing, they're one of the good shows, one of the good ghost shows. Um, just looking at my list, I realized I started the movie warrior and right this moment remembered that I started the movie warrior um, <laughs> and didn't finish it. It's really good. Um, I just was forgot i couldn't sleep after martial arts one night and started it on like my ipad or whatever and just kind of sucked me in and i ended up watching half of it and uh so 
I will. Uh, this is off Mike's recommendation a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, um, 2011 with Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Yep. It's uh yeah it's really good so far I'll um try to finish that and and give my full full review um it's been a few been a few games I've been playing this week uh I've been trying to play Persona Three Reload which is on Game Pass and there's a new recreation remake of Persona Three from back in the day uh. It's quite a bit older and this is a totally fresh kind of paint looks great um but in the middle of this i decided to upgrade my computer and took a while it's missing a couple parts blah blah blah. and then i finally started to play this and then it kept crashing on me the game kept crashing Mm. so Alan's giving me a few recommendations. I haven't had the time to implement yet. So far tonight, I meant to, I meant to caveat that too. Is like if the computer just if I just disappear, the computer <laughs> maybe just shut off. But uh, it's been good so far. So hopefully that's turned around and then I can get back to some of the computer games. Persona Three Reload, Lethal Company, and Pal World. So, but that's a lot of that's a lot of games to squeeze in. You said Pal World. Did Tony appear? <laughs> Tony or Mike? No, no. Tony did make a sign I saw in the game though that's like has some sort of like pal creature tied up kind of thing, and then there's signs. It says like "You are replaceable. Get back to work." Because <laughs> he just has all his pals, you know, working to the bone. That's good. That's um, good. So. Yeah, um, I in my frustration, I was just I just want to play a game, and uh, so I mm-hmm. I delved back into Horizon Forbidden West a little bit more again. Just one of these days will be the time that I sit down and like just keep going through that. But I got brushed up <laughs> on um, like my play of it a little bit. Sure. Actually, got a few things accomplished. Took way too many screenshots and got some good phone no. wallpapers. Yeah, yeah. I posted a few of them on X. I will put a few more up over the following days or whatever. And um, so there's that. And then on our game cast on the rocks channel, I made some shorts for it too. So a little bit of content from that. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about, I was going to cover three of these, just going to cover two graveyard shift mm. volume one and two. So this is a collected graphic novel version of this uh, independent comic book. So it is by John Malin and Mark Poulton. And the idea of this book is basically, I don't want to, am I going to give you any spoilers? It's essentially that there is this company and it's kind of run by Van Helsing and there's experiments done on these different scientists and stuff, and a bunch of them become monsters. So it's sort of a reversal where Van Helsing, he is against the monsters, but the monsters are the good guys in this situation. Van mm-hmm. Helsing's kind of taking over and running the show and like uh, doing some bad things to humanity and everything, and the monsters he essentially created are going to try to stop him, kind of team up and okay. try to stop him. So there's like a vampire and uh, so the artist for this is is John Malin and he is like 
to my understanding, kind of a protege of um, a really famous cable Deadpool X Force artist. Um, so he's kind of under the tutelage of him in a sense. And uh, so I am a big fan mm. of John Malin's art. And to me, over the years, it's only gotten better. So I have this is volume one and two. I did read the supplemental. I'll have to review that later. But then there is also a couple more supplementals and then like three, four other volumes. So there's quite a bit for me to read yet. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really expanding kind of universe. And Malin does what I like in terms of striking that balance between comic booky and realistic. It's mm -hmm. not realistic. Um, it's a little more stylized, but um, let's see if I can find a couple other good, good pictures here. So like here's, here's Van Helsing in this book guy on the podium. Mm -hmm. So okay. it's in modern day, you know, modern day. Um, got a couple more examples. Creepy. So anyways, it's a, it was a, it was a good read. Um, a little different take on the whole Helsing and uh, and the monsters he's after kind of story. Look at this big double page spread. I think that's pretty cool. I like that. So yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of potential with the different characters. Some of them again, the kind of deal of dealing with the monster they've become and how do I cope with that, you know, and. Uh, so, so are these monsters like formerly human and have become yes. like twisted? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So yeah, it's a good like turning that into a kind of superhero team kind of story. So <laughs> thumbs up. I'm excited to keep reading. Um, it's been well paced. Um, it looks good. Yeah. I need, I'd like a little more, I don't know. I want to be emotionally invested a little more in some of the characters. There's some attempts here, you know, there's things happening, but I'd like more of that, I guess. So if I have a In some of the monsters or? Yeah. You know, in the, just in the team, like I'm supposed to care. I don't necessarily care about them yet. Okay. I need me to, right. I need to care about the team more. So. Okay. Yeah. So that's Graveyard Shift Volume 1 and 2. Um, that's what I've been up to. Something that has uh, a lot more than two volumes, and some would say needs <laughs> many more to reach completion, mm -hmm. you know, would be the fantasy works of George R. R. Martin. Um, Andrea, how much of the Game of Thrones novels have you read? All of them. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. How many it's is been that? A while, like four? All of them. It's a four? Yes. Of the main Song of Fire and Ice sort of stuff? Yes. Okay. I'll, I will believe you because I don't know. Oh, now I got to look. Thrones books. Five. There are five. Okay. All right. All right. Winds of Winter so, is six, and that's coming out. 
<laughs> That's coming out, she says. <laughs> I didn't say uh, when. Uh, yeah, I don't it could think be it's coming happening. out posthumously. I don't know. I, I think that'd be the only way, honestly, at this point, is that whoever, if he like hands it off to someone or something like that, it's in the will, whatever. I it's don't know. It's literally how that been since 2011 that was Dance with Dragons. Yeah, it's not happening. Like 13 years ago. So I'll take another sip of my Game of Thrones whiskey here. George R. R. And then we can, yeah, then we can talk a little bit about uh, about uh, the man George R. R. Martin here. So he's been in the news for a few different things. One of them being the first thing that came up that I saw was kind of comments about fans and about everybody mm-hmm. like kind of hating everything and some toxicity and and some some of that. I don't know if he was specifically talking about comments towards his works or not i really don't know i didn't care very much i didn't particularly look into it just like uh, another person that to me when i when i hear that i'm like they're dismissive of criticism that's the way i i see it. it's like um doesn't have to be the case but usually it seems to be like people can't handle the critiques um especially when it's like a pile on of a whole bunch of people online some of it gonna but like that's what you got to do you're gonna have to sit there and like judge what's valid and what's invalid and just take the and just take it then you gotta just take it you can't you know come out here and call people names because they don't like your thing yeah i mean true enough on both sides Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what specifically he's referring to if there's like some sort of like directed commentary right. at at something of his that he's like upset about. Um so yes, you I mean if if he's referring to like a general pylon of like where is your book and like stop writing television shows, please write your book, then uh yeah, dude, you got to you got to take that. Um or uh you know, if people are saying, "Boy, Remember the last two seasons of Game of Thrones were terrible. Yeah, that's some valid criticism. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I mean, you can't come come out swinging calling people names, but yes, also I think you can expect or at least hope for anybody who wants to like genuinely critique or have valid discussion about your work to do the same and not just like throw names at you, right? Like, you know, if you want to be taken seriously on either side, then then don't resort to that. Yep. Don't. I yep. mean, like, why would anybody listen to you then? Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely a way to approach it. I found his uh, quote here, which, you know, mm-hmm. is pretty. I think a lot of people can agree with this. Uh, you know, I have. Um, I'll read it. Um, okay. Quote. Well, I take solace where I can in chocolate thrones of nowhere else, in books, in films and television shows, though even there, toxicity is growing. It used to be fun talking about our favorite books and films and having spirited debates with fans who saw things different. But somehow in this age of social media, it is no longer enough to say, I did not like book X or film Y, and here's why. Now social media is ruled by anti-fans who would rather talk about the stuff they hate than the stuff they love and delight in mm. dancing on the graves of anyone whose film has flopped. Mm. 
I mean, I, I get that in a broad sense, like it would be nice if social media did talk about more about what they love. Like I like to see polls, um, from sites that are like top 10 anime or like favorite book of the year, favorite, what's your favorite X film? Like that's more fun than like, I hate everything, you know, or like, Oh, another thing sucks. Like it is easy to get on a roll of like criticism and get kind of in that negative spiral. It is harder to, I think, project pure unadulterated joy about something because there are people ready to like, just say all the things they don't like about something, but you can't let that prevent you from still feeling that joy. Right. Or, I mean, I would hope expressing it, it might feel fragile. It might feel vulnerable to do so, but yeah, if you love something, go shout it out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's internet's definitely changed things and like before you would watch something or whatever and your sort of pocket for understanding of how people receive it is just sort of the people around you sure and you know in the last couple decades now it's grown to well you you might hear thousands of voices or millions of voices coming back at you with a different opinion and mm -hmm. so um it, it, that's fine, but it, it changes your perspective. Um, the other thing I'd say is like, I, I think a lot of people can agree. It used to be fun talking about our favorite books and films and having spirited debates. Mm -hmm. That's true. But you, the way that way that what that hinged on, in my opinion, was that the people still liked the thing. They just wish it would have gone this direction instead of that direction, or this this made sense here and not that, you know, like, but they still loved and enjoyed the thing. It's just we can disagree on the minutiae. And yeah. some of the biggest debates are people that are both fans of the same thing, but disagree a lot. But they in the end of the day, they still love it. They love We've it. We've reached yeah. it now where so many things the all the big things that got hotly debated like that and discussed kind of our pop culture things have in my perspective mostly been ruined so like it wasn't the case where like oh this movie was less than good you know i would have liked it to do this instead but i still enjoyed it i'm still excited for the next one it's no that was awful you wrecked everything that this thing meant and stood for so now like now you divide people in that sense some people are like they still see something there that they enjoy and then other people are just kind of out or angry that you took this thing that maybe they invested many years in and wrecked it. We didn't, we just didn't used to, I don't know if it's a, it's a changing standard. We've talked about that some on here, like how Marvel themselves raised the bar for comic book movie adaptations in some sense and then failed to live up to it. And many others failed to live up to it. Um, or if it's, a uh, just, they're doing worse at handling all the things. I think it's, I think it's some of both. Um, sure. so I, I, I get it can feel like people rejoice in something flopping, but I do rejoice in something flopping. If I feel like they didn't mean to do the property justice, mm -hmm. you know, Witcher 
they clearly decided to go a different route. Good. Let the show die. The Halo television show bit on every Halo fan from season one, episode one. So let the show, yes, I will rejoice when that show bombs and dies a painful death. All these things. I, but that's not me like being hateful. I just, look, you didn't put forth the effort to try to make something worthy of the property. Mm -hmm. So you deserve for your thing to end. That's mm -hmm. all it is. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Like yeah, I don't, no, I don't disagree. No, I'm I don't disagree with you because I mean there's certain certainly things out there that make me upset as a fan that I can, you know, I probably not quite as often, but can work myself in in a rant about. I mean, we've obviously probably beat the DC world disorganization horse right. to death. I mean, you know, it's an easy mm -hmm. target. So yeah, I mean, I'm obviously guilty of like coming back to something to like re-express my disappointment, my anger or, you know, not hatred because I don't actively put the time into hating them, but my disappointment. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe it's just like, you know, that I need to stop or, you know, others need to stop giving that their time and energy. Mm -hmm. You know, you say your, your piece about it and with every new thing, you don't have to come back to it. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's, how it's hard it's, not to, because there's so it, much content and like these places are just like churning it out. And it's, I get that it like keeps the disappointment fresh, but yeah, maybe we need, we all need to like collectively stop and say like, man, if we still hate it, like we don't need to say it again. We just let it die. Yep. Yeah, no, everybody, everybody's going to have, depending on their their fandom level, have their point of reaching apathy. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, just literally the time has gone by. I've healed. The wounds have healed. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. But when yep. you bring it up, you can bring it up and it's still like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah. The failure or whatever, you know, so you yeah. can still. It's like a but it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, like a chronic PTSD. disease with a flare-up. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just how you, it's how it's, it's how you handle it. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, you always see crazy people with everything where their response is to go tell people to die. You know, it's like yes. the insane, you know, and how much of it is people that mean it, how much of it is kids that just don't have any sort of balance yet in their emotional right. handling of things, whatever, you know. Always going to be that stuff, mm. but um, you know, reasoned, reasoned arguments for disappointment or hatred of something that you used to like, I just think is is overall a good thing. But yeah, if it's dominating your time, you know, like I don't sit. I've Darth Vader back here. I don't sit and think daily about how. Right. Star Wars has gone down the tube, you know, it's right. It's like, Post on X it, about it all the time. Yeah. When it comes <laughs> 2 up, John wakes up, thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you move on or whatever. So, yeah. But, uh, but then like you and McGregor comes out and it's begging for a season two of Kenobi. And I'm like, then I think about it again. It's like, <laughs> uh, I hope it happens. Waste more money, please. So, 
Yeah. Ha, Waste Kenobi, more money, please. Kenobi was a weird. It was it was a lot around the map. Like there were there were high points and some low points. Um, I don't know what I would do with a season two. You don't know. I mean, make make Obi Wan Kenobi look more pathetic. I think that's what they should do in season two. Like he can look more pathetic somehow. I don't know. Let Luke down some more. Abandon him. I think probably. it's well. <laughs> We could go on a we could go on a whole separate like, you know, Luke letting other people down and the the characterization of that destruction. Yeah. Um. So like the the ripple effects. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. There were some really cool moments in Kenobi, but they came at the expense of some solid storytelling. So that's that's the unfortunate part. I wish I could have kept the cool moments and not had them destroy like a really great story mm-hmm. and yeah. i don't know I mean, how you lots do of, that lots of things can have cool i mean look our our most popular video the john wick 4 special it, it's uh john wick 4 had a lot of cool moments a lot mm-hmm. of cool moments that i could i would like a hyper cut of just watch them all <laughs> but it doesn't amount to a good movie unfortunately well, the pieces do not make a good movie well, and I think that's different than like like going back and destroying or like poking holes in something else. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? like, absolutely. It's way less. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, like it can absolutely just like uh, not amount to a good plot or a good story, you know, character arc, any any facet of storytelling that you really want to delve into. But yeah, Kenobi definitely takes away something pretty major from the OG Star Wars films. Yeah. And it's it's sad because yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. It's amazing like emotional storytelling, but is it worth the price of like sitting there going, this logically doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. You're just doing this because it's cool. It is cool. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the next bit of George R. Martin news um, was that they're making another spinoff. Yes. They're making mm-hmm. another A prequel to spin-off. the prequel. Yeah, we're just going to keep going backwards. I know, right? All else fails, move backwards in time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what do you think of this? You have, like... Uh, I mean, it's telling about the tale of the Targaryens conquering yes. Westeros. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. Aegon the Conqueror. Um, mm. I don't need this right now. Okay. I think it's going to be oversaturation of Targaryens. I like House of the Dragon. Just be glad that this is a great show and focus your energy on that. Stop splintering. Like, why? Why do you need to do that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I if you're going to keep going, you need to, you know, you need to get production rolling so you don't have yep. too big of a delay. So I get that. And I just, I feel I like one really great season isn't enough to take the, you know, the, the, the roiling. I mean, yeah, the burn off of the disappointment of the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. Like people are still sort of like, 
okay, so you made one good season of House of the Dragon. Like, can you do it again? Do you know what I mean? Like, Andrea, just, you're such happens. a toxic fan. What? Look, I, I maybe know. some people love the end of Game of Thrones. Okay, it's great. <laughs> it's great, Andrea. Think of all the people. Yeah, it's really objectively hard. not. Oh no, I can't. No, I will not entertain that. It is objectively not great. Uh, <laughs> um. Um. No, I just, I, I truly feel like you just, you can't rest all your, your laurels on the fact that like you had one really great season and it was, it was good. I really, I was so pleasantly surprised because I was terrified as everybody else that it wasn't going to be good. It was build on that. Don't splinter your focus now and then produce two mediocre seasons of two different shows. No, it'd be nice to see it. Yeah. Come to completion and then we focus on the next thing. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. So, but we have that to look forward to. And uh, and season two of Hot D is supposed to come out this year. So, yes, Hot D. Ah, I forgot that charming. It's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. Um. Okay. The other thing that was brought to my attention is another quote by George R. Martin. Mm. And um, I like. I'm interested in both his quote and then I thought a pretty interesting kind of takedown of that quote from Mm -hmm. a person on X. So Mm -hmm. bear with me. I'll read both things. Mm -hmm. Uh, George R. R. Martin. Tolkien can say that Aragorn became king and reigned for a hundred years and he was wise and good. But Tolkien doesn't ask the question, what was Aragorn's tax policy? Did he maintain a standing army? What did he do in times of flood and famine? And what about all these orcs? By the end of the war, Sauron is gone, but all the orcs aren't gone. They're in the mountains. Did Aragorn pursue pursue a policy of systematic genocide and kill them? Even the little baby orcs in their little orc cradles? So that's the quote. Uh, George R. R. Martin having a few things to say about uh, um, our... uh, our good, uh, wise old Tolkien here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thor Odinson on X says, Martin can say that Tolkien didn't write about all the endless minutia of Aragorn's reign and after he was crowned king and that he just brushed over what came after. But Martin doesn't ask the question, what the fuck am I doing with my time? Did I make good use of the past few years, especially the lockdowns to finish my books? When I wrote all my endless plots, Rob Stark's Will, The Northern Conspiracy, Aegon's Invasion, The Marinese Knot, did I have an endgame in mind for all of them, some of them, or even any of them? Or did I throw them into the books with no idea where they were going to go? Did I really need to kill so many characters? Or did I chase shock value over story and fuck myself along the way by doing so? Should I have spent less time criticizing a classic which shaped the genre written by a man who's already been dead for decades, or should I have spent more time finishing my own series? And I have considered the possibility that my readers haven't waited 13 years for the next book just to find out the tax policies of the Seven Kingdoms. So I thought that was pretty a good retort. I, I, do like the, I, I do like the end there. We haven't waited. We haven't waited 13 years to find out the tax policy of the Seven Kingdoms. I would very much agree with that. That is not what I want to know. Um, <laughs> what do you want to know? Ah, uh, so many things. 
Um, so I'll start with Martin's, you know, critique. Um, yeah, I'm going to say most of that is, is irrelevant to Tolkien. Like, that's not the sure. point. Like, I don't need to know about Aragorn's tax policy or what he did in case of famine and flood. Like, that is super not the point. The only interesting nugget he threw out there was like, all those orcs are still there. Yeah, you could have written about like, what, what happened? Like, did people get to go back to their homes or were there orcs in the way? Were there still small skirmishes that broke out? Did they, you know, go back into the ruins of Mordor and try to like, eke a living out of whatever land was there you know sure could you have written something about that and i might have found that like a interesting aside or paragraph sure everything else no thanks like that that was not the point mm -hmm. and that's not even like the way that tolkien wrote so you're trying to insert like your own fixation on detail into like tolkien's writing style so no, your criticism, I don't think, holds water there. Mm -hmm. um, to the retort, or the response, or reply, well, you know, however you want to characterize it. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Martin spent his time wisely. I do think, he, and he's admitted himself, that he never intended to create so many characters and so many different chapters with like different points of view about different storylines. And it did spin out of his control. He was like, the characters took, just took on these lives that I, you know, I just had to write about all these disparate things. And I don't think that there was for good or ill, um, you know, resolutions that he had in mind for everything. Hopefully, right. You know, as a fan, I hope he had resolutions in mind for some things that he is getting to. Obviously, I don't have his new books, so I can't say for certain. Um, but the the only and the only thing I would maybe like push back on there is, you know, the did you spend your time wisely or did you spend your time thinking about Tolkien? I don't think he really spent a whole lot of like the lockdown sure. years thinking about Tolkien and like crafting that argument. So, you know, yeah, yes, maybe like don't go after Tolkien. And also like, no, he didn't spend three years of the COVID, the COVID lockdown just thinking of that. You know, he spent quote. it thinking about uh, <laughs> maybe what he can do in the Elden Ring world. And what other spinoffs yeah. can I propose He's, to HBO? I mean, and the he, he obviously has been busy. It's just not busy on the things we would all really like him mm. to be busy with. <laughs> but yeah. no, I don't think he was busy thinking about like, why didn't Tolkien write about tax code? I think he said that I, pretty off the cuff. Yeah, right. Just as I, like I an wonder... example of like, you know, I think about all these details, like, you know, it matters to me. You know, he's trying to like, I don't know, probably BS his way into like another excuse why his book is delayed. Mm. Which whatever. I, mean, I wonder if it's part of the, the impetus for him create. I mean, I really don't know. You know, I haven't like listened to him talk about a whole bunch, but for creating this series to begin with, you know, if you have like a fundamental, like some people in this day and age have an issue with like 
a simple story in the sense of like good versus evil. I don't remember when we kind of made the switch where we couldn't have like black and white. There couldn't be just a bad mm -hmm. guy that wanted to wreck things. You know, it had to be everyone's gray. And then it started to switch to like, no, we're actually the main stars of movies are, are the villains and we need to empathize with yeah. them. Yeah. And it just sort of like kind of a fundamental, um, I don't know what the, the term is for it, but like there's yeah, everybody a, needs to be complicated. Nobody can yeah. just, you know, exist as like this, I don't know, distilled essence of a character trait. They need, they need to be multifaceted. They need to be fleshed yeah. out. And I would say most of the time that seems like a good thing, but yeah, you can get bogged down in making everybody sympathetic and everybody interesting right. because <laughs> can you move a story along if you're always switching like who to empathize for and like, mm -hmm. no, 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 I really want to explain this person so that you understand. Right. I, I, I wish I could find the other Sorry, comment. I, I about cut you this. Off there. No, that's fine. I, I, that, uh, was kind of talking about like George R. R. Martin's sort of nihilistic worldview, yeah. they thought, and sort of idea that, you know, Tolkien has an idea of setting up uh, a good versus evil, creating a legend and mythology for mm -hmm. England. And uh, something like this can, will, was good at the time and will be remembered and understood. The themes will be understood and will resonate with people for many centuries to come. Um, old matter of the time. Whereas like maybe part of Martin's issue is he doesn't have a point. There isn't a point. Is there a point to his story? Mm -hmm. Like, is there a meaning behind it other than like, it's all meaningless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like whatever you do, you know, corruption will be rampant and destroy your heroes. Your heroes will won't be there to save you. It's all for naught. Is that the end? Like, how do you resolve that? How do you make that satisfying? How do you build all this stuff? And how do you balance them creating a satisfying conclusion and narrative? Meanwhile, telling people you'll have no satisfying conclusion to this narrative, like, because that's life. And I'm going to tell you what I see as reality. Mm-hmm. Well, to that, I would say he's probably not concerned with having a satisfying conclusion. I hope on some level he's concerned with having a conclusion and bringing some stories to a close. But yeah, satisfaction, I don't think, has ever been his aim. So if we're all hoping for that. Isn't it going to kind of feel hollow then? If it gets done and you're you've read thousands of pages over the course of decades at this point, then mm -hmm. we'd be like, what was that for? What did I get out of it? Other than like literal bloodshed, violence, mm -hmm. death, you know, like what, Maybe what did I, it's the journey, not the destination. I guess. I don't know. I guess I don't so. know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, I, I mean, I truly don't know. I, I just, I think, yeah, I just got to hope that there's resolution. Um, it may not be what I wanted. It may not be what anyone wanted or, it, you know, maybe Martin will surprise us all, but I hope there is resolution. Yeah. Okay. Well, we shall see what happens. Yes. Waiting 
anxiously. Hold your breath. Go. Um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> the other thing the I am the next, holding my... the next book will be post will be published posthumously. It'll just be me. It'll just be my death. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next thing I wanted to touch on quickly that I am, am holding yeah. my breath for is the Xbox event. So again, if you missed me kind of going off about it a little bit uh, on last week's episode of the Ohio podcast, uh, go ahead and check that out at the very end. Otherwise, um, just an update. So Xbox community has been in turmoil. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot to explain. But... Basically, they're, they've announced that they're going to do a, a business update this week. They announced that last week, and it's going to be on Thursday. And um, it's going to be done on their Xbox podcast. So you can just listen to the Xbox podcast. You're going to have Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty on there to clarify the, well, quote-unquote, clarify the future of Xbox mm -hmm. and where the company's headed. Um, there was the bigger update was besides the date of that coming out is there was an internal town hall for Xbox employees last week where Phil Spencer, um, uh, Booty and Sarah Bond addressed their employees and see they, the executives reassured employees that Xbox hardware will, would continue. They didn't directly address the elephant in the room, those persistent rumors about Xbox exclusives coming to Nintendo Switch and PS5. Mm -hmm. So that's from The Verge. It's from The Verge. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, so what that means is the games are coming to Nintendo Switch and PS5. If they're mm -hmm. just telling their internal team, we're going to keep making hardware. So if you're worried about the hardware being done, don't worry about that. We're going to bring game, but, but we are going to bring games elsewhere. Um, have you seen any of this pop up in other news or in circle things you follow or anything I mean, like that? Yes. I've seen some of this, this pop up and I've seen the, the disappointment expressed, uh, at the, the notion that, you know, all these games are going elsewhere. Um, it, it, I, I just giggle a little bit because it seems silly to have that sort of internal town hall and not address the bigger of the two issues yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like it's like having a burning building but like the vending machine's broken and they're like don't worry we fix the vending machine yeah Do you know yeah yeah <laughs> i mean mild I, concern but you know right. really yeah. house is on fire so yeah how about that there you know this is a niche community kind of issue you know like the gaming community at large is not going to know about this or particularly care about this or anything like that you know it's uh, so i'm aware of like the bubble that this news and stuff exists in mm -hmm. um because i am a, a more aware of that because it took me a while to explain this to my friends like what the deal was or why there's an issue oh hey paparoos <laughs> special guest star <laughs> yeah Hey, what, what's your take on Xbox hmm? <laughs> in the gaming world at large? Right. She has opinions. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but they, so Netflix, when they make Stranger Things, they don't then give Stranger Things to Paramount Plus. Right. They don't uh, say, oh, this, uh, you know, the latest... Um, Great British Breaking Show. 
Let's put that on CBS and also on Max. Right. If they did that with all their shows and you really liked some other streaming service, why would you pay for Netflix? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, the Netflix shows that I like are going to be coming to the service that I already have. Ah, that's mm-hmm. great. Let's do that. You know, Netflix is a little <laughs> different position because Netflix is the top dog. So maybe it may would have right. been a better example to be like, oh, the show from Paramount Plus, they don't put it on Netflix the other way around, you know? Right, right. I mean, yeah, in this in this scenario, I just feel like let's all go back to cable TV and just like, you know, yeah. get our, get our mm-hmm. smash up of everything being available once you pay for cable yeah. TV. Because good God. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, that's the point. Yeah. If you make everything available everywhere, why do you stay here? Yeah. So it look, they're going to come out there. It's going to be really interesting on Thursday what they say. I think there'll still be con- questions and confusion. I don't think there's actually going to be clarity. Uh, they're going to keep making consoles and people are going to keep not buying them because... They already have a branding issue. They don't market themselves anywhere outside of the United States. Basically, Mm -hmm. people aren't aware much of what Game Pass is. And they're going to um, not sell any of their hardware. And then they're going to make a reevaluation in a few years that this isn't working either. Because shocker, all your games are available to play someplace else Mm -hmm. where there are other exclusive games or they can get in at a cheaper price point, or there's already brand loyalty or whatever, and they're done. I mean, Microsoft won't be done. They're the biggest company in the world. They're going to be absolutely fine. They're going to make a killing selling games all over the place. But if you are an Xbox user, have been like the hardware, have thousands of dollars worth of games in your library, mm-hmm. if it was me, Unless something weird happens on Thursday, I wouldn't buy anything from them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have the system, you have PC and you have the subscription service, well, if it's still good, you know, and you just have games you like, all this stuff's fine. You can obviously you can play your old games, all this stuff. But if it was me, I would be like, I don't see a future for them as a platform holder, whether they think they'll be there or not. They might mm-hmm. think that we're doing this and we're going to be a platform holder. But I'm telling them they're not going to be if the rumors are true. They won't be for long because they just, it's the same thing like they wanted to bolster their their uh, Xbox store on PC. People aren't doing that. They're still just buying games on Steam. Heck, Epic was one of the biggest games in the world. They have their own launcher. People aren't buying games on there either. You know, they use Steam. You can't just get people to move and you're really not going to get people to move when they can just get your shit everywhere else. So mm-hmm. reality break, you know, reality check for you, Microsoft. You're going down. Your hardware is not happening. <laughs> you're you're going you're gonna to make it and no one's, it's, it will only be like one more generation worth. Because Microsoft isn't going to foot your bill if you're not making enough money for them. They're not gonna not gonna do it. They're not gonna be like, hey, we value this entry point in the market in the consumer space because we have zero other presence in the consumer market. We value this, so we're gonna keep it around. Like, no, it needs to, it's not making enough. So mm-hmm. it's gone. 
get out of here. That's my take. My my preemptive take before Thursday. We'll see. Before Thursday. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. But I, I'm not going to believe. I, I don't know if I'm going to believe they're trying to woo me, you know? I'm not going to believe it. So. Yeah. Obviously, nobody knows what they're going to say except yeah. uh, them. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I get that. I get, I mean, I get, I take your point. Like why, why show loyalty to something that hasn't shown loyalty to you? Yeah. They, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Gaming, the gaming world is, is really going to be something. It's, it's an interesting thing because it's like bigger than movies and music. Gaming is just huge, but it requires participation like TVs and music and movies don't. So it's just never like how far can it grow? Like everybody wants like everyone on the planet to be a gamer. There's some people that just won't because it requires you to. It's like some people just won't read a lot of books because you have to do something. You can't just sit to consume it. So there's a there's a limit. And uh, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see where gaming goes, how it grows, how it doesn't. and what role Microsoft has in it. So, yeah. Uh, that's my uh, part two of my <laughs> Xbox rant. Um, everybody should go over to Windows Central and read Jez Gordon's article about uh, Microsoft. Kind of, it, it was amazing. The day after I made my rant, I read this article from Jez that's just like preaching to the choir, preaching to the choir <laughs> about all the things and the way Microsoft handles this stuff. So, uh, yeah, I recommend that strongly. All right. Speaking of strongly, got to keep my my strong drink going down while we talk about some maybe strong performances by two very uh, well-known leading men in the movie Face Off, right? 1997, yes. Nicolas Cage, John Travolta. Yeah. Big names, big film, a lengthy film. Yeah, Big yeah. Action, a... simple storyline. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. a big roll of the dice on believability of this premise. You have to really <laughs> let your. I mean, seriously, you really have to let yourself just let it go and get mm -hmm. in there because, yes. uh, yeah, the 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 technicality and the details of the premise are a little bit squishy. But if you just I was... let yourself roll with it. You know, mm -hmm. this this is really two, I think, very masterful performances from these two actors because they are not only acting as each other, they are acting as each other's characters that get a grand total of, prior to the switch, like what, 10, 15 minutes of time? Yeah. yeah. That it is a short minutes, yeah. amount of time to establish specific character actions, mannerisms that we as an audience can connect to and associate enough to like, when they switch over, be like, oh, that's a thing that only that character would do. Mm -hmm. So to make that strong enough in, th in the initial character standing and then make it strong again in the switch. Well done. Yeah. I, I agree, but I think to to me, John Travolta 
really nailed it. To me, John Travolta was this like he the way he transforms to me is really great because he's just like stressed dad, you know, uh, coming home or whatever. And then next time he comes home and it's he's switched. Told just a complete. I'm like back in Pulp Fiction world, like a just totally yeah. different, like bad John Travolta, mm-hmm. and it made me wish he was in more stuff recently that was mm-hmm. really good because John Travolta is charismatic dude, and I just really yes. appreciate his his performance in this. So I will, yes, I will. I will travel along this road with you. John Travolta has the far more charismatic performance. I also think he has the easier job because Nick Cage sets up Caster Troy with a lot of like flair and personality and mannerisms that Travolta takes, but then, you know, brings his own style to his own charisma and it is magnetic to watch. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nick Cage has the way harder task, I think, of transforming from this very flamboyant and larger-than-life personality into how do you embody stressed dad, agent, you know, the tension of I'm on a mission that has gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't have a lot of, like, a lot of outward emotion and a lot of capacity to show that. It's a lot yeah. of internal work. So, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Alan brings up isn't as mesmerizing, but I think it's really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Alan mentions he's not sure, not sure if we've said the name of the movie, and I was wondering that. Oh, um, <laughs> just if anyone's still confused, it is Face Off from nineteen ninety seven. Face Off. It is a very mm-hmm. literal title. Your face yeah. will come off. So, and you're talking about the kind of leaps you have to make to accept the premise. Um, I yeah. definitely was there, but I thought they handled it pretty well. Travolta's like, pretty no well. way, this is crazy. Didn't believe, he's like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. And, you know, uh, proceed, like, I thought the procedure and all that stuff worked pretty good. I think the, f- the weak parts were, oh, we'll just, you know, like, lipo off some of the extra weights you know and uh you know like their bone structure and everything's so different it's like i get putting the face on <laughs> they look their faces are really different so that's what i'm talking about they were very incredibly detailed and specific in some things and some things they mm-hmm. just brushed over like they were like oh we'll give you body hair plugs and i was like wow the level of detail they're going to like they're not just considering the face and then they're like oh yeah we'll shave off those love handles you know, oh, the yeah. height difference is negligible. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> you can't tell me like Travolta's bone structure. His face is so wide, and you are just proving that on all these like super tight close-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, your body structure is too different. Nick Cage so, is a yeah. pointy so, nose or whatever. And yeah. Like he's got such like a thin angular face at this point, and Travolta is he's like all jawbone out. Mm-hmm. Does it work? But yeah, so that's why I say you really have to like roll the dice on the premise because they are so specific and so detailed in a way that makes you go, huh, okay. And then just gloss over some other stuff like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. I made a a comment because this is directed by John Woo. 
who does yeah. the second Mission Impossible movie. And this movie yeah. definitely I was like, can we just talk to the IMF? You know, maybe uh, get some yes. of their masks and just not this process. Like, voice tape, please, yeah. instead of this like, weirdo microphone that you you can't like sneeze or it'll dislodge, but you apparently you could have like a full gunfight and just be like, cool, yeah. Yeah, see, that was to me one of the weakest points. One of the biggest things is like, I thought they said it was delicate. If it was delicate, you just break that and be like, look at my voice. It's clearly, you know. It's me. Know. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, he said that we can't escape the body hair talk. Um, <laughs> we can't. There was such like a strong focus in that, you know, very, I mean, very emotional scene between Travolta and uh, Joan Allen, but it was just all about the body hair. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe this was going to be a way that she was going to recognize him later, but no, it came back in, I know. in a different way. Yeah. So there was a few times I wrote down, I was like oh, coming up with the things where they're going to notice yeah. this, right. but we really didn't have a lot of that. You know, I, no, it's like fake everybody outs. seemed, everybody seemed like nice and fooled and we never got the like prove your, you know, whoever you yeah. say you are beyond just like reciting facts. It was never yep. like about physicality. Yep. So I liked, I, I thought it was interesting, all the like different spy movie connections here. Uh, it's just like, so John Powell does the music. He does the music for the Jason Bourne movies. Mm -hmm. And Joan Allen is in this and also in the Bourne movies. Bourne, yeah. So that, that was interesting. And then, um, as I mentioned, like, okay, trading faces, pretending you're to someone else. That's a very Mission Impossible sort of thing. And then mm -hmm. John Woo directs the second Mission Impossible movie, which mm -hmm. they do a lot of face changing in that one, probably yeah. more than all the other Mission Impossibles. And then you see some of the things um, in the terms of like gun battle to then, you know, and confusion of who's who to like a chase. And they do that in this too with the boat chase. So yes. it's mm -hmm. the, it's the, it's the daughter, like, who do you shoot? And mm -hmm. they do sort of a, who, you know, who's getting shot trick in Mission Impossible 2. And then we get into a boat chase and then motorcycle chase in Mission Impossible. So I just mm -hmm. like that kind of, I thought that was interesting because it, to me, this really feels like a stepping stone to Mission Impossible 2. Um, yeah. So I take a lot of ideas and then we really, you know, perfected them in my, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I feel, I feel there are a lot of the same, you know, gadgetry elements in terms of changing faces. And this is like a, you know, I don't know. I, I call it gadgetry because I think it's like a trick. It's not, mm -hmm. um, you know, like with IMF, you have the masks and things like that. And here we're, we're having literal surgery. Um, mm -hmm. so there are a lot of like, those kinds of things that are in their rudimentary elements here that yes, get better in MI2. I also think with that, there's a very clear storytelling arc that John Woo is interested in playing out in both of these films. And it's, you know, you and your shadow self and mm. how do you process some of the things you've done as you look at someone who set, had such a big impact on your life wearing your face, you know, and there's a catharsis of, you know, there's, there's definitely trauma for Archer in particular in 
wearing Castor Troy's face and like dealing with, you know, being the embodiment of the murderer of his son. And obviously there's some like exercising of his own guilt there. And then there's like a catharsis in killing that person, but also killing yourself because that person is wearing your face. And there's a exercising of that guilt and that remorse and that kind of rage that he's held on to for all these years. So this it's, it's spy tropes, but it's very psychological too. And you can see yeah. it in both, you know, movies where um, in MI2 it's, you know, Tom Cruise and DeGray Scott who are like shadow versions who have worn each other's faces. Yep. So They've worn each other's faces. They know each other well. So that's how they right. kind of like, they you know, know the same women, they like, yep. are, they can be each other believably convincingly. They know enough details about each other. There's yeah. Yep. And it's in that it's like, you know, he, Doug Ray Scott's character is like pretending to be Ethan and then, uh, finding out that Naya is actually with Ethan now and is his ex. So there's like not a killing each other with a different face on that, but like, right having to deal with that like pain, you know, through someone else's yes. eyes in that sense. And then uh, also the, our leading lady having to kind of play coy to this, you know, in Mission Impossible is very much longer sort of, I'm going to be a spy here in this right. situation. But in this, it's still like, okay, I now know the truth and I have to just keep it secret because right. yeah. So I have to keep this going. Like I have to keep up the play act so you can, yeah. you know, get him. Yep. Yep. So I just thought that was fun. Um, I think this movie, you know, we mentioned it was kind of long. I think that this would be kind of the perfect, just fun action movie sort of thing. If it was a little bit shorter, like it feels a little mm -hmm. long to be that sort of like just throw on and, you know, gun battles yeah. and, yeah, it was it was a mite long for my taste, although I appreciated the kind of sandwich of the plot where it's the opening is all action. Ramp up, 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 up. You know, we have our first, you know, showdown gun battle, um, airplane, car chase, you know, it's all action, just high stakes, high adrenaline. And then we do the come down into this very emotional plot. Could that some of that have been shortened? Yes, I would say so. Um, but I did appreciate the different pacing and the different stone storytelling um, break there from all the action. And then we like at the end ramped just all pure action all up again. Yep. Yep. So. No, it's a good point. Because they, they sold well to me. I'm like, I felt it. I'm like, this is a horrible situation to be in. And then they make it horrible like much more horrible you know because i'm like okay so how is he gonna get his face you know how is nick cage gonna get travolta's face on how is that gonna happen here and then it's like oh yeah while he's in prison and then he can embody you know it's like i i've only seen but i should say before i'd only seen parts of this i never seen it all the way through um so this is really my first time watching all the way through yeah, I thought I'd seen it all the way through, but I it's such a long time that I'm not sure now that I have because there were mm -hmm. elements that definitely felt surprising to me. Yeah. So it's like, man, 
that would be a really shitty situation. I'm like, how are you going to get out of this? I mean, but of of course, it's like, well, this is a fun action movie, so I can just get out because you know, I I have a plan, and here we go, you know. So right, but um, yeah, no, I that was good. I I liked seeing um, the guy from Lost World in here play the brother. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's good. Troy. Yeah, I love that caster and Pollock. That's good. Um, what else did out here? Mm. I mean, overall, did you like enjoy your time by the by the time it was over? You know, it was a I good did. ride. I did. I did because I felt that there were a lot of elements to explore. There was, you know, definitely some mindless action fun, and you know, just give yourself over to the the pure adrenaline of the boat chase, the airplane chase, the shootouts. Um, but there was so much more psychologically happening that I was really interested in. Mostly with um, Sean Archer, Travolta's OG character, um, and his journey of like becoming Castor Troy, like the, the more complicated yeah. sync to so much of the realizations he had to come to. Um yeah, just knowing that, you know, the real Castor Troy was out there, like, infiltrating his family, probably mm-hmm. sleeping with his wife, you know. Infiltrating his wife, yep. Yeah, and, yes. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much there. And then you bring in, like, the the secondary element of Castor Troy has a son that he learns about who is yeah. the same age or near similar age, obviously, to the the son that was killed. Mm-hmm. And there's more psychological trauma just thrown at him again. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, I have to he, say, has, he has breaks at several points in this movie. And he somehow pieces himself yeah. back together, probably mm-hmm. a little brokenly, probably a little, you know, not like the original, but yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. I have to say, when the movie first opened, I was like, oh, man, not a kid thing. Every kid thing now is just like, I don't want to see it. So I know. Uh, it hits was, different, doesn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> does. So I was really, really on John Travolta's side. <laughs> like, I was yeah. right away. I was like, I'm, I don't care. I'm, Nick Cage, he's dead to me. So, um, yes. yeah, Castro Troy. But um, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see him then try to do that whole thing where he's got to put up the image that he's Caster Troy, but try not to do too many drugs and try mm-hmm. to like not be a bad guy. Like he's telling people not yeah. to shoot the cops and stuff like that. He's attempting right. to whatever he can to cr- balance that, to mm-hmm. not give himself up, but even escaping prison, you know, mm-hmm. trying to just like knock right. the guards down or whatever. And uh, some right. of that. So, yeah, I- I, uh, speaking of that, I also thought it was really interesting when he took drugs and almost shot himself. Yes. So out of it, he was like, oh my yeah. God, it's Caster Troy. And then he's like, that, no, no, wait, remember you are Caster Troy yeah. right now. Oh, that was yep. good. Cage sold that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That whole dr- drug trip. That was really well done. Yep. Um, yeah, I do want to um, say while we're, while we're on the, the, uh, opening with the, the kid scene, that was traumatic, obviously, as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole thing was so stylized that I almost 
like I almost got out of the emotionality of it. Okay. Because I didn't love the way that it was so like, I don't know, like the balloons floating off and like the stylized falling and like the slow frame shots. Mm. I was a little like, I see the cinematography and the movie making happening here. Um, but then conversely, I loved all of like the stylized staging of the church shootout, mm. the church confrontation after the funeral, like the doves, like the, you know, the choir, um, the, you know, crucifix imagery. I, it was all like over the top and I loved it. Loved sure. that. Yeah. I mean, John, Woo, you need the balloons and the, and the doves. That's the, I know. So you I know. <laughs> the doves worked for me. The balloons did not. Okay. As a, All right. As a note to John Wu. <laughs> yeah. With the church thing is sort of like, you know, can feel boondock saintsy. That's sort of like mm-hmm. over the top. Using that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the boat stunts boat chase was quite good. Good stunts. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it looks like you commented on it too. It definitely saw a few occasions where it was very clearly not Nicolas Cage <laughs> and John Travolta. Very clearly other people that were Oh my God. And especially at the end when they were like flying through the air. I was like, Yes. Hey. It's not <laughs> nice even. Where'd these it guys come from? Yet. Did they hit them with I a know. boat and knock them? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that was that was some low grade effort at uh, you know disguising two actors mm-hmm. or two stuntmen as actors. But what would you? I mean, you know, try to pull the camera back further, or you know, like make the stunt less cool. I don't know what to do. What you do? Like you appreciate that they did a really cool stunt, I guess. You know, they did. They did. It was very cool. But yeah, <laughs> it is. I think that's you know sometimes maybe the problem with the retro rewind is that you can see. Yeah, you know where effects were. Yep. So, do you think Caster Troy grew any when he was forced to visit the grave of the kid that he murdered? Ooh, Did his I heart grow yes. in size? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know that he grew, but he definitely seemed to feel something Mm -hmm. when Joan Allen was really breaking down and, you know, putting the toys up there and then sobbing that he took our son. It did, it did seem genuine to me that he didn't know quite what to do or how to handle it, but it was very uncomfortable for him Mm -hmm. to be there. Right. There was something real about sitting in that discomfort and yet trying to make her feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just skipping all over the place, but I liked that um, towards the beginning after they captured Caster Troy, um, Travolta was like, instead of just like, woohoo, celebrate, he was like, hey, remember all the people lost in the attempt to get him. You know, I did like yeah. that. Well, that was another red herring there where, you know, we we saw that happen. And then later on, whenever he walked back in as Caster Troy and everybody was like, woohoo, congratulations. It's like when he walked in with the sunglasses, it was like, 
um, just eating up this adoration. Yeah. You know, we yep. thought, boy, that's a different reaction mm-hmm. than ones we've had before. So we as the audience were sitting there like, recognize this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was when they were they were fighting each other towards the end of the like house raid and stuff. They're on the opposite sides of the wall and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Caster's like, well, I guess we should just trade back then, you know, whatever. I'm like, yes, say yes. Just, I mean, I don't know how you're going to make this happen exactly, but if there's a compromise to just right. like both swap back, do that. Because for a while, obviously, you know, Caster would have the upper, he had the upper hand here, you know, it's right. uh it made sense to, for him to play out this, this reality right now. But once that was, you know, once that started to disappear, yeah. Swap it back. You know, how would that yeah, have gone? Like, would that, could you possibly believe him in any way to make that work? No. Okay. No, no. Okay. No, so, I don't think yeah. you could believe him. Um, I also was wondering about that because, you know, castratory is obviously impulsive. It is smart, but maybe doesn't think everything through to its logical end because he definitely joked about, you know, burning down the the lab surgery center uh, where this all happened. It was like, oh, beats paying the bills. Like I killed the doctor. So how are you going to get your face back, man? I know. Yeah. Is there a point when you want to genuinely trade back and you can't do it because you just murdered the guy who knows how to do it? Like this isn't just an everyday thing. Yeah. That would really change the plot to be like the doctor's still alive and you have to get the doctor to put this back and to be any sort of proof that we are, you know, that would definitely change it. But they just sort of skip over that. And, you know, at the end, obviously, they just let you believe that Travolta can Another just professional. Get yeah, another professional. And, you know, a throwaway line from Joan Allen. We got the other doctor coming out. Right. You know? Right. And this doctor will, he'll put your love handles back, by the way. Don't worry about that. Everything um, back. The yeah. body type switch. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I don't know that I had liked was um, the adoption of the kid at the end. No. That seemed maybe unhealthy. Creepy. You know? Um, Creepy. Yes. I get it. It's like maybe I suppose good for the kid, you know? Like if you're thinking about the kid, he doesn't have this like horrible, broken whatever where he's from. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's clearly problematic because there is a very real sense that these people are going to be reviewing him as a replacement son. Exactly. And that is not healthy. Conversely, they are also the only people who will understand how learning about his past and his parents could also be very damaging to his psyche. And can try and walk him through, you know, my parents were essentially deemed bad people in, you know, the case of my dad, maybe a little more true than my mom. Maybe there's some gray area there. Can I learn about her through FBI files, anybody who knew her? You know, 
can help kind of usher him through that very confusing narrative. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know that that's going to completely balance out the fact that they're clearly adapting him as Michael Jr. Michael 2.0. Um, so your dad uh, murdered our son, who looked a lot like you. And, um, you know, now he can be here. And uh, let's uh, let's take a trip down to the DMV. We're going to do a name change. Uh, so get used to the new name. <laughs> yeah. It's, <sighs> yeah. It's problematic on a bunch of levels. Uh, so I like just I said, they're they're obviously going to be understanding of like the mass chaos and confusion that learning about this backstory will cause for this kid and can give him maybe some grace to work through it. But yeah, it's messed up. I, I think saving the kid is enough. It is you enough. Save the kid. Somebody else take of, him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we like we could have an update, I guess, somehow. I mean, but the thing there was nothing thrown out where another logical, some sort of place for the kid fits. But I just mm -hmm. I don't know that we would have missed just not knowing. The kid's sure. alive. The kid's alive because of him and there you know i don't know hmm. mm -hmm. so yeah there was yeah. A, there was a little bit of i think you know nuclear family wish fulfillment happening at the end um yeah. because not only do we get like oh we have a replacement for our dead son we also get my daughter magically cleaned herself up yeah and is like acting like a younger more innocent version of herself Yep. She almost like gets I got my brother back. Like yeah, she gets demoted from like a 17 year old to like feeling like she's 12, like the way that her mannerisms have changed hmm. and she's acting. She does, oh my God, she does that run that Maggie Grace does in Taken where they're like 17 years old, but they like to make themselves seem younger, they run like they're like 12. They're like, oh, oh it's like awkward okay. my elbows. And I'm like mm -hmm. uncoordinated and gangly. They were never on the track team. <laughs> it's so it's so put on it's just yeah. it's so fakey yeah. yeah like i know what they're doing so yeah, yeah. so i i, I do that. think this sort of tidies up at this as this weird like sean comes home i have my new son and i have my daughter as the old version of herself and everybody's happy yeah yep mm -hmm. there are some years of therapy that need to go for that family yep mm -hmm. Um, let's see what else. That was one other thing I was going to say mm. about this maybe, but I don't know. I over, overall enjoyed it. I think that's my biggest, yeah. my biggest problem with it, honestly. Uh, and then it could have been a little bit shorter. Um, and otherwise good romp. I'm glad I saw it all the way through beginning to end. Where did you watch this? Did you just rent it or do you own it or? Uh, no, uh, I watched it on TV because we have AMC. So oh, okay. it was like a, it yeah. was like a, you know, whatever televised version that AMC runs with commercial breaks, unfortunately. Um, See, or, mine didn't or have, fortunately, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Mine didn't have commercial breaks, but it had like the spots for them. So it made me it, like the screen would like dim and then would come back. Like, like that's where commercial was going to be but there wasn't Weird. one. Weird. 
So I'm like, I hope I'm not watching some edited version made Where for did TV. You watch it? AMC Plus. Oh. So the streaming. I mean, maybe. App. Yeah, maybe it's. I'm betting it's the same movie, the but same I. Version. It's yeah, since it's not. I don't. I just have AMC. Mm-hmm. I got literal commercials, and you just got like down up. Yeah, like you don't actually have the breaks, but they didn't put the time yeah. to just like show you the film. I'm just like, I better not be missing some blood or nudity or something here. You know, it's just like, but I don't think so. The way that they, where they were cut, yeah. you know, it's just like. I don't think but, so either, but I'd be curious. It's unexpected. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. um, good, yeah, good film. Off. Some, some plot holes, I think, and some, you know, a little, just gotta, just gotta roll with the believability and enjoy the ride. Um, but truly wonderful, wonderful performances by Travolta and Gage. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I think this should be like, we should do the, you know, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. We just chain this. So we did Nicolas Cage. So then we did, you know, Nicolas Cage is in it. So we have a Nicolas Cage movie. Now we do a John Travolta, another John Travolta movie. Ooh, okay. And then All we right. do someone else in that and then someone else in that. Okay. I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. Be kind of cool. So, so yeah, we got to pick some John Travolta. All right. All right. Challenge accepted. All right. Uh, Looking at his catalog right now. Suggestions, <laughs> throw them at us, you know, um, can be very similar. I know actually you've wanted to talk about Pulp Fiction for a long time. Um, oh my. That would give us way too many options to chain off of for different movies. It like really the would. Sheer number of stars in that. Also, but. we would absolutely have to have Chris on because that's one of his favorite movies of all time. Of I know. All so time. we'd have so we'd have to like see for if this is the next one, like if he's got an, any sort of availability in a couple weeks. Because otherwise, yes, for sure, to pick something else. So. But yeah, um, exciting things to look forward to. Um, so yeah, well, the next podcast on the rocks probably in uh, two weeks' time, and next week be another uh, Ohio anime. That's the plan for now. We'll see. Um, but make sure you subscribe and uh, follow, and that's how you'll see what's happening. Um, Twitch, we you know we go live on Twitch. Everything that's live goes live on Twitch. That's where we stream it to our podcast on the rocks channel. Um, we also go live now to, to YouTube and X. Mm-hmm. So follow in those places. That's fine. This stream is going to come off of our regular YouTube and while we like tighten it up and then we'll get re-uploaded as a podcast. So you'll find that on podcast on the rocks and on your podcast mm-hmm. services, um, Spotify, Apple podcasts, whatever. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you get the time. That'd be much appreciated. Killing the Flower wrote our theme song, so you can check that one on music streaming services. Um, Trackmouse34 on YouTube. That's our friend Mike. Does racing videos and stuff like that. Um, MJ Honeybee. She streams Dead by Daylight. She's also played Mario Kart with us once on here and was our, on our anniversary episode. So MJ Honeybee on Twitch and YouTube. Give her a follow. Um, Peter J. Gilbertson. He was on a couple weeks ago for anniversary stream as well. We need to have him on more, but he is uh, a writer and you can find his books on Amazon. 
They're often very cheap. Sometimes they're free reading with Prime. So that's Peter J. Gilbertson. Check that out. And I, uh, I think that's most of our friends to to plug here, you know, um, other than ourselves. Made the rounds. So, yeah, right. So otherwise, uh, yeah, that's been Popcast on the Rocks. Andrea, thanks once again for joining me. See you next time. Of course. As always, cheers, everybody.